Hello everyone. I want to welcome you back to See the Sunrise. This is season two and episode 33. Seeing the sunrise is about seeing Christ in everyday situations. In the book of Jeremiah chapter 33 and 3, the Lord spoke to the prophet while he was in prison and said to him, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Seeing the sunrise is an opportunity to see what God is doing, not only behind the scenes, but in the lives of everyday people like you and me. From the pulpit to the pew, we all have had various challenges and experiences that bring us to a need for Christ in our lives. Today, I'm speaking with Danielle Jones. I met Danielle quite accidentally. I was with my daughter and I actually met her husband first, and he was determined after a brief conversation that I needed to meet his wife. I didn't know him and he didn't know me, but our faith was a direct connection and it had an impact on his desire that I meet Danielle. Over the years, we haven't had a chance to meet often, but there's a relationship that, that was established based on the presence of God in our lives. As I've watched Danielle, I saw a passionate woman who cares about young people. And although Danielle has experienced a lot in her life, she is never down or negative. She has a tremendous heart for children, and while she has three children of her own, she's taken in a number of children whom, without her love for them, may not have had the opportunities that she's provided. Danielle is tough and no-nonsense, and she's the right person to usher these young people into adulthood. Welcome, Danielle. Hi. Hi. I'm so glad that you uh, desired, not desired, but would do, you agreed to do this podcast with me, and uh, you know that you and I, we connected in just the weirdest way, but I've always found that when God is involved, nothing's by accident. So um, I guess so yeah. that our listeners will know a little bit about you. Tell, tell, tell us a little bit about your journey with Christ and how you develop your faith. Well, I always went to church all my life. Uh, my best friend stayed in church. She brought me into church but I still wavered with going to church and things until I met my husband. When I met him, he was like a God-fearing man from day one. And he, um, we met, I was already like going to church, but not really like, like him. Not fully engaged. We, not fully engaged <laughs> like he was. So when we met, you know, we started dating and things and, he goes to church every Sunday. So, you know, I was going to church with him and I started loving the church and he started teaching me things about the Bible. He was very patient with me mm -hmm. about my walk. He didn't force me. He didn't like try to tell me like, oh, if you don't do this, I'm not going to be with you. Like he was just, just slowly introducing things to me. We went to church. Everyone came around us, started going to church. So we had a whole hangout group with just us and other young people mm -hmm. that went to church and did the same thing that we did because they had a like for our friendship and love for us that we just started doing some of the same things. And then I started seeing how God operate and how he was working in our life. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not leaving this place. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's interesting because you're young and you have young children in the house and was there ever a time that you were turned off with the idea of church? Is that why you didn't come or was it more you just had no interest? I wasn't necessarily turned off, but I didn't understand. And I had questions on, um, I lost my mom at 16. So I was kind of like, God, why? 
why would you take my mom? There's so many parents out here that's bad parents and don't like their kids and um, beat on their kids. Kids don't like them, so why would you take mine? And I was like, a mama's baby, love my mom, did any and everything for her. And it's like, why did I have to lose mine? So I was kind of like confused about why would God do that to me until I got with my husband and just found out my calling in life. Mm-hmm. And what would you say? And, oh, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go and, ahead. Oh, no, you're fine. And one of those is when I started seeing all the kids and the people we started mothering and he was fathering, it was, I had a reason of why I lost my mom. Like, I understand to this day that I wouldn't be able to be the person that I am today if it wasn't for me losing my mom at the age that I lost. So now I know what these kids go through. It might not be the same as parents losing kids and going to foster care, but I know what it's like to have to relocate and remove and change a whole life because of a situation that happened suddenly. Mm -hmm. And you know, a lot of people would be better and remain better having experienced something like that at a young age. But you're saying that as you got older and your husband really made you aware of the nature of God, that that helped you. What what yeah. is it about that situation that and, and and I guess I understand the way, but what is it about that situation that what makes you want to mother other children that aren't yours? Because I know what it's like to not have that um, void filled that you're missing in life. Mm-hmm. So when I lost my mom, I had a void. Yes, I had people who loved me and took care of me like their their child, but someone to take care of you like their child unconditionally. Mm-hmm. Like, does not want to give up on you because you make mistakes. Not want to turn it back on you because, oh, you're not doing what I told you to do. But understanding that I'm hurting and I'm going through things and I'm making mistakes, but I'm a mother you and still be there for you. So I want, like, my kids have a grandmother with my husband, not with me. So I like to give kids that opportunity to have a mother that's going to be completely a mother to them and love them regardless of what they go through and what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. As Re- if it was my own child. Mm-hmm. Yes. Recently, I was writing devotions about peace, and I used um, imagery of babies sleeping and a mother holding a baby in her arms and resting. And that's what brought you to mind for me to have this conversation, because um, I just see you as that comforting presence in the life of children and in the life of people. If they need you, I know you're you're there. So... One of the things that really was striking to me as I as I watched your Facebook and you and I have talked, you seem to take mm-hmm. in teenagers and teenagers yes. are rough. Uh, not all of them. I should not categorize as all teenagers as being difficult. But um, we know in our systems and our foster care systems and when it comes to adoptions, most people don't want children that are um, not infants or pre, you know, uh, pre-kindergarten um, or after the kindergarten age. They usually want children that are babies that they can mold. Tell me why the interest in teenagers, because right now, how many do you have in your home? I have nine kids, but... Um, three are your biological? Three are my biological, and the rest are... Um, three I adopted, and two I'm in the process of adopting. And one is just foster, and they're all teenagers except for three of them. Okay, and so the ones you adopted, how old are they? We won't say their names. We'll keep that anonymity. They are, I have a 15-year-old. I'm about to adopt a 14-year-old. I adopt an 11-year-old, and I adopt a 12-year-old, and I'm about to adopt another 11-year-old. Okay. 
And again, and then I have a 17 year old foster kid. Why teenagers? <laughs> well, a lot of people, like you said, teenagers are definitely the hardest. A lot of people don't want teenagers because they don't want to deal with the challenge. Most teenagers are harder because they have had more time to go through more things. So they have dealt with foster parents not treating them right, parents not treating them right. So they feel like everybody's out to get them. So if you get a teenager and you actually show them that they're loved and that you're going to love them and that it's okay to make mistakes and that they deserve to be loved, they actually respect you and don't act up as much as you think. Mm -hmm. They're going to try you, but you have to try to show them. I feel like with us, we still show them that you deserve to be loved regardless of who you are, whether if you're a teenager or an adult or anything. That's like being in a relationship and you don't have multiple bad relationships. You fought. When you get with someone that's good, you don't know how to take them. So if that person actually show you that they love you and they patient with you, you actually warm up to them and you get to see the inside person of what they really are instead of the outside. You know, it's interesting you say that because that's the way God is with us. You know, he, yeah. even though we are rough and we, you know, buck against the things that we know that God would want us to do and what he does, he continues to love us. And to me, that's why I'm just drawn to you with these kids because you show them unconditional love. What has been the biggest challenge with teenagers, the one, bringing teenagers into the home? Because your kids are teens as, as well. Get, let's do the whole age of the whole, all nine of them. What are the ages? All of them. Okay, all the ages. I have two 17-year-olds, a 16-year-old, um, two 15-year-olds, a 14-year-old, 12-year-old, and two 11. Okay. So what would you say is the biggest challenge? Because I know you take them to church. I've also seen yeah. you take them on vacation. You guys have rented buses and put, yeah. took them on planes. And I mean, and I just think you're just this blazing example of unconditional love. So what, what do you find the biggest challenge or who, or do you see there a distinction in challenges based on the, the di different personalities? Well, a lot of times the challenge is making them come when they come in, not having the ones that I already have including my biological kids, feed off and turn into them. Like, they, make them be the example and make them change rather than them doing some of the bad habits that they do. Like, I have had some come in and they smoke a vape and then they sneak and get the other kids to do it rather than them saying, um, no, we don't do that here. You know, they, they just do it with them. So sometimes that come off a little challenging. But we are very so open and transparent that any kid can come to us and talk to us about anything. When they come in the house, we first ask them, we talk to them about sex, smoking, or anything because, yes, we do ministry, but they're still human and things happen. And we always want to be the parents that I don't like to find out things on the street, what my kid did. So, therefore, we have a relationship where you're going to be able to come to me and tell me whatever. So, if somebody on the street come and tell me and I'm going to be able to tell them, okay, I already know about it. What's your point? Mm hmm are they shocked that they can be so open with you? Very shocked. I, the one, the other young lady that I have right now that we're in the process of adopting, when I told her, I said, we talk about everything. And she was like, I don't feel comfortable about talking about um, sex or anything with you. I said, well, you might not. I said, but you're going to get used to it because that's what I do. I said, because I'm going to find out any and everything that you do because I'm all up in your business. Uh -huh. So you might as well just tell me because I'm not going to like it if you, if you lie. Or if I have to find out another way. 
And so I'm like, you got a boyfriend? I started off and she was like, yes, but she was kind of shy and bashful, you know. And, I, and then she was like, I was like, girl, you ain't gonna like that boy. When you get into school, you're gonna see so many different cute boys and you ain't gonna think about them. And she came back and she was like, mom, you're right. When we went to a football game, it's a lot of cute boys here. But in the beginning, she didn't even think she can even talk to me about boys. So then that quick, she warmed up to me because I broke the ice by talking to her about it, you know, mm -hmm. rather than saying, well, you don't need to be worried about no boys right now. You need to worry about school, this, this, and that. They know that. That comes without, you know, saying. But they're still human and want to know, you know, can I talk to you? Can, you know, you be my mom and can I still have you like, as a person that I can go to about anything that I need. It's interesting. You said she calls you mom. And how how does that, it, do you tell them or is this such something natural for them? Natural. I, I've never have told any kid they have to call me mom when they come in. We always tell them to call us as Mr. and Mrs. Jones. This one has not been here long. And her caseworker just asked her, like, why are you calling her mom? The last place she was in, you only called her by her name, Miss Such and Such, the last five years. And she was like, I feel like I'm able to go to her about anything already. She was like, she had made me feel comfortable and secure since I've been here. And so I feel like that's a mom. She fussed at me the same. She talks to me the same. Like a lot of times we think that kids don't want to be fussed at. They don't want to be corrected. But a lot of times they won't discipline. They like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they need to know the boundaries. And how did your faith influence or how did it's almost like you realized that this was what you're calling. This is what God put you here yeah. for. How did you know that? So if someone's listening to you or they're asking the question, how did you know you were supposed to take these kids in? The, the thing of it is, is when you start dealing with kids day in and night, like I drive the school bus. My husband works for the school. They come home with us. So I knew it was something out there for us to do to help kids. And what we do now is not the end. It's just the beginning. Like, I got so much more heart to helping kids and putting things in store for them. Like, I want to do so much more than what the world has set up for them. It's mm -hmm. so much things that set you up for failure. And you don't know. Like, if I had some of this stuff in place when my mom passed, and I was 16, I would be so much further than where I am and not doing it the hard way. Mm -hmm. So I want to set them up for success. I want them to know about financing, how to get your own place, what it costs, how to budget, how to put it up, mm -hmm. how to pay bills and still have a little money extra, and how to go grocery shopping. These are things, everyday life things that people are not taught. Yeah. You know, it's interesting in the foster care system, I've heard stories where they, you know, they, they age out and some of the mm -hmm. basic life skills they don't necessarily aren't comfortable with them either haven't had them for training i don't know i would want, don't want to speak on it from a perspective of knowledge on the inside of of what they're right. taught but just that you and um your husband bring them in and then recognize these are the things they need to know there's something else you do that i I've, I've recognized too you know a lot of people are always pushing college on people when and then they go to college and they come out with this tremendous or insurmountable debts. But I noticed mm -hmm. with your children, you've got you got a two or three of them in the fireman's program. Um, yes. You've taught them other. You've told them that there are other things they can do to really make a good living. I mean, when I want a plumber, I'm not calling somebody with an MBA. When I need an electrician, 
I'm not calling somebody that has a doctorate degree. I need somebody with skills and they can still be equally successful and more. So how do you identify that or how do you steer them into fields of interest that you know, they aren't either aware of or they're aware of and you aren't sure? Well, all kids are not college material. And once parents realize that, it will be so much easier to accept. And I just teach my kids all the time. It's not what you are, it's how you become at the end. So I don't care if you're a janitor. Be the best janitor you can be. Own your own cleaning service. That does not, what you are don't define who you are, you know. So I look at them, if you're struggling in school, you really don't have a desire to go to school, but you have no choice because the law requires you to go to high school, you know, and as long as you're a minor, you have to go. So you need to do something to be successful. So you know your kids. If you pay attention to your kids, you know them enough to know they're not going past high school. So what can we do to set you up for success, even though you're about to graduate at 18? Let's find a vocational school. Let's see what they got to offer. Do you know what you want to be? What would you like to do? You know, just narrow on down. What's your favorite? What's something you're interested in? And then, like, the vocational school I found, they have a 10th grade academy. So the 10th grade academy is you go in that 10th grade, and you get to examine every trade that they have, and you see which one you like the most. Because like they say, a lot of people get in there and then they really don't like it and really don't want to be a fireman or a hairdresser or things like that. So you get to see, do I really like this? No, I really don't. My son always said he wanted to go to culinary school. Now he in the 10th grade academy. He's like, I don't think I really want to do that. I think I really want to be a um, barber. And I'm like, that's fine. But if you be that barber, it's see as being a barber. Own your shop. Cut famous people here. Go further than that. Like, if, you know, do more than what was set up out here. So much stuff out here. Just investigate and do so much more. So the older teens, what are their what are their interests? I know you have, aren't there two in training to become firemen? Or Yes. My son has been saying he wanted to be a fireman since he was five. So he wanted, that's where he's at. He's in a fireman group and he loves it. My daughter, she's in a fireman as well. She's going for the EMT because she want to be a doctor. And she researched herself that um, the program have a medical program and they also have the fire program. But the medical program only teaches you like your blood pressure to be an STNA and things Basic like that stuff. and mm-hmm. stuff. And she figured out when you go as an EMT, you learn more hands on IVs and you know, you're the person that's saving their life to get to the hospital for the doctors to do what they need to do. Mm-hmm. So it was more hands-on as what she want to be as a doctor than the medical. So that's how she got in the program. Mm-hmm. We also used to have custody of my nephew, and he graduated with IT. He came to me with straight ups. Didn't even think he would even go to college, you know. But he came to me, went to the trade, and he got his IT um, certificate. And now he's at NKU furthering his education in Excellent. IT. Excellent. So how does God influence, how do you bring God into their life? Because if, you know, some of the kids, if they're coming from foster care, I mean, do they have any level of faith or how, because I mean, I think I would be a little upset that I can't be with my parents and then you're bringing them in and you're this faith kind of, you're strong in faith. How do you, do they go to church? Do you pray together? I mean, what are, what is that like? Well, yes. Well, for one, before we take the kid, we pray and ask God to give us the kid that's supposed to be in this house. 
So every kid that became in this house was not here by mistake. They were here right. by a purpose. So when they come in this house, we and we have a family meeting. We sit them down. We tell them our expectation. We tell them what we require. We tell them we go to church. That is one of the requirements to be in our house is you have to go to church. We have prayer. Pretty much we try to have prayer almost every night, you know, with the kids where everybody pray. Everybody say what they thank for, say what they need to improve in, asking God what they need help in. So we try to build them to have a prayer life of their own. You know, we have fell short from it and fell off of it, but we say all the time we're going to get back to it. You know, with the busy life, you do different things, but they know they come to us like, mom, can you pray for us? Mom, can we do this? Or they go to church and, you know, one of them was like, I almost cried in church and I was like, that's okay, babe. You could cry in church, you know, let it out. And she said that yesterday because my husband turned on some gospel music and we just got to singing and praising God and stuff in the living room. And she was like, oh my God, this is doing something to me. And this is at home. The right. church started at home. Right. All right. I like that. Church really does start at home. And and that's a foundation that the children, even if they get away from it, we know that the word tells us if we train up the children the way they should go, when they're older, they won't depart from it. So mm -hmm. they will remember these nuggets that you've placed in them. What's the most challenging role you have with all of them? Challenging? Uh, sometimes just the challenging part is getting them to do what the heck they need to do, like cleaning and chores and things. So typical I'm teenagers. The typical teenager. I mean, I'm a person that always feel like pick and choose your battles. And my husband is a neat freak, so he hates clutter and junk and things. So I just be looking like, hey, if they go to school and they done made it through school and they ain't giving us, like, they should be able to be free at home. And sometimes they be a little too free and I have to get them together. Like, no cussing music, no cussing. You know, just that's the challenging, trying to make them do what's required because you know sometimes they get in school and get comfortable doing things then they get home and forget mm -hmm. we're not in school anymore let's bring it back a notch <laughs> but sometimes when they give the little attitude the smart mouth and as people in general you get some kids and you sometimes put your when they get an attitude with you sometimes your feelings are in it mm -hmm. and you be like you know maybe this ain't the place for you and that's not what they want to hear and you have to really check yourself with some of them like okay maybe i need to change how i'm going with them maybe i need to redirect myself and do things like i have one that challenge us and you know when somebody mad and they done made you mad you don't want to go and hug them and tell them you love them because right. you're mad because they just put you through all this right. stuff but he's the type that walks out and leaves i'm leaving and things and we go talk to him then he come back and say i didn't mean it and then we have to like make ourselves like change our attitude put it aside to say you know we're not going to give up on you. We love you. So you need to quit challenging that because it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. But that's still hard as a person at times. So you'd be so mad that you just went through everything you went through. But these kids, like, don't want to leave. They, It's a mistake. You know, like they have. So you got to put your feelings aside for a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. You have such great wisdom when it comes to kids. <laughs> kind of wish you were my mom <laughs> when I was growing up. <laughs> You know, you've had some health challenges, too, over the past year or so. Well, how would you say that that's affected you? Or what I've noticed is you don't let it bother you. You never talk about it, really. You only talk about it if I ask you how you're doing. and um, and But you seem to get through it. How do you get through a health crisis and still raise children? 
I just make it my business where I just continue to keep going. I look at it as if I lost my mom at 16 and no one wants someone that can't be there for them. So I just continue to move forward. Yes, I be in pain, but I overlook it and just keep going because if I sit here and, like I said, if I baby it, then I will start feeling the pain even worse and I will start, you know, going downhill. So these kids need me regardless of how I feel. I don't get the rest. You know, I have to still keep going. And they love me enough to know. They know when I'm at my limit to where they sit me down and say, Mom, no, you're going to sit here. We're going to fix dinner. We're going to do this. They know. So the fact that I have kids that love me enough to know that I love them so much that they love me to sit me down when it's time to, they can see when it's my head is hurting and I'm not really at my best, they, they set me straight. I mean, you really exemplify what I consider, um, un, I mean, you're not selfish at all. You're unselfish love. You give, you listen, you, you fight through, um, you listen to the children when they're struggling. You, you've introduced God if they didn't know God in their life. I mean, was there any that came in that weren't believers or? Well, now, I haven't not really had any that wasn't believers, but I had one that I adopted that tried to challenge me over the summer. He was like, I don't believe in God anymore. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I said, but you're still going to church because you're in my house. And as long as you're in my house, you're going to church. And he was like, okay, I'll still go to church. You know, he tried it. <laughs> so he came back and he was like, mom, I want these Jordans. I said, oh yeah, you can't get those Jordans because all my money comes from God and you don't believe in the God that I serve. So you can get I the bare minimum of shoes and clothes. So when you start back believing in God, then you can go back to getting the type of clothes and shoes you want. But as of right now, you don't believe in God. So no, I can't help you with that. I and love that. His attitude changed real quick about God. So he was like, he, he said, I'm sorry. He was like, I'm sorry. I just said that to make you mad, but I didn't know it was going to do me like that. <laughs> <laughs> but you taught him two lessons. You taught him, one, your money comes from God. And two, if you ain't a believer in him, then why should I use the money God gave me to support you? And that's going to give him mm -hmm. something to think about as he gets older, whether he really believes or not, or he just wanted those shoes. That's true. <laughs> and I mean, granted, even when he said that, I didn't go right out and go buy him because he said it, but... It was just a point like, no, I'm not about to hand you this. Like, it's a choice. What they don't realize, and I tell them all the time, the law does not require me to buy name brand shoes or name brand clothes or a certain type of clothes or anything. I can go to the thrift store and get your shoes and clothes. That is providing for you if that's what I want to do. I chose to let you have some of the finer things because that's what the world has. And I chose to let you do it. So I worked my butt off. So you can have this. So I'm not going to sit here and allow you to tell me that you don't serve a God that put you in this house and change your life. From where all your provisions come from. To where all your provisions come from. And you know what it's like to not have because you've been there before. So if you need to go back down that road, let's go back down. See, that's what I love about you. You're tough. You just go straight there. <laughs> and it's like, what are you going to do? How are you going to challenge me? So if you were to tell someone, if they were asking you, how do you go about considering fostering children that um, are, you know, beyond the adoption age or, you know, maybe people are just considering it. What would you tell them to do? Take the classes, mm -hmm. see if it's for you. Um, and you mentioned praying 
was that significant before you started this journey? Yes. Yes. I have been praying already. We had started foster care classes and then we stopped and never went back to it. My son came home and asked me to adopt his best friend. And I was like, man, this is God. We should have been did this and we ain't did it. Now he got us about to adopt a kid. We don't even know. And the fact that he was 10 years old and asked me to adopt his 10-year-old best friend, that wasn't nothing but God. So it made us go back to doing it, you know, getting back into the classes, doing what we need to do to adopt. And I always wanted more kids. I always said I wanted 10 kids. Well, you're one shy. You need one more, right? One shy. And they called me trying to get me to get one more. And I think I'm about ready to, like, let go of foster care now. I think I'm where I need to be with how many kids we need and ready to just travel and just show them. Like I started a new business. This is a inheritance, you know, so I want them to work it and know how to work the ropes and make money and just live life, travel the world mm -hmm. and show them, give them, create memories. Mm -hmm. I just think that's amazing. That's wonderful. And I mean, really, um, in any, any, um, any initiative that we take, especially if we say that we're children of God, we should do like you did. Pursue God first and ask him the questions. Um, and mm -hmm. he directs us. And out of the mouth of babes, your 10-year-old comes and starts the process. And who knew that after that one, that you would come along and get five more uh, children along with your three and bring them in the house and teach them about God and teach them you know, where their provisions mm -hmm. come from and teach them how God has enabled you to do what you do. I think you're tough as nails. I think a lot of people need to get to know you, especially those that are considering adopting or fostering children. Is there anything yes. else you would want someone to know about raising someone else's children? How, anything that, how does God influence you? How does he help you when the difficult times come? Is there anything else you can tell people? I just say do it selfishly because sometimes when they're not yours, it's so easy to treat them differently than your own, but you have to put self aside. And a lot of times, so you know you're called, yeah. mm -hmm. yes, you know you're called to do it when your kids are selfishly open enough to accept them in. Okay. With open arms. So, but you definitely have to be self, do it selfishly because it's hard. And when you say selfish, you mean unselfish. So do it so that you care about the other person and not so much about yourself. Yes. Like okay. you can't put self in it you know, self in a way. Right. Because it's a lot, it's easier at times. Like, oh, this is my kid and I'd rather buy my kid these shoes and not the other person these shoes, you know, rather than make it happen for all of them, you know. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you will see they would come in the house and they wouldn't even know if they can even sit in the same room with you and your family. Mm -hmm. So uh, you have to put you aside and your feelings aside sometimes. It's not about you when you're doing this. Right. And I just see with you and your husband, who it's funny, I hardly ever talk to him, even though I met him first. I think you two are the most loving, unselfish people that I have ever met. And I know God really put a, put me in that space to meet your husband in order that mm -hmm. we might meet. And most of the time I'm following you more on Facebook than I get to see you. But I really appreciate you taking the time um, to do this with me, to, to just talk about. And that's why I do this podcast. It's about informing people of the different things that are out there and the different things that people are doing to bring people closer to Christ. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that the way that you're raising these children, I don't know what homes they've come from, and you probably don't even know everything they've experienced. Nope. Yeah, you know, and you don't know unless they tell you, and you only have so much that you're going to see in their charts. But you are showing them, I believe, a true love of God. And to me, you are a prime example of what God calls us to do. He tells us to take care of the widows and the orphans, and that's what you've done. You're taking care of the orphans, those that may be, but for the sake of God and your love, uh, who knows what could have happened to them. So, Danielle, Mm -hmm. I want to say thank you so much for taking this time with me. Um, I pray that God continues to bless you and bless your home. I'll be praying for that 10th child that's going to be blessed (laughs) to come into your home. I'll be praying for God to just watch over them, (laughs) over you and to continue to give you the patience to deal with these young people and to continue to show them to Christ. And so thank you again. Until next time, brothers and sisters, God bless you. And be sure to see the sunrise, the S-O-N-R-I-S-E, the sunrise, see Christ in your everyday situations.